Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 396. So uh, we have just announced that uh, uh, Bill Hader was supposed to be the guest for Talking Bad this weekend, which would be on the uh, Sunday the 18th, I believe. Uh, And instead, he has graciously agreed to uh, go to a little bit later in the season because uh, Aaron Paul's schedule opened up. So our guests are going to be Aaron Paul and Anna Gunn. Um, So Jesse and Skyler on Talking Bad this Sunday night at 11 p.m. After Low Winter Sun, which is after Breaking Bad. Uh, There's seven episodes left. Haven't seen the next episode yet, but um, after the way the last one ended, uh, I really want to. I can't watch ahead, Katie. I can't I can't watch ahead because I don't want to know. I don't want to know what happens. But I can't have it in my head. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's too exciting. I wouldn't be able to watch it without spoiling it. You don't want to, and then because you have to watch it under a veil of of complete secrecy. Yeah, and that's no fun. I would have to get my invisibility cloak and throw it over myself <laughs> on my laptop and watch it, and then just stay there and not eat or anything, so that I wouldn't <laughs> blurt something out uh, at some point. So that'll be happening. And then also, Aaron Paul just posted a video on the Nerdist channel of his uh, when Cranston did an AMA. He picked his top five. Uh, questions, favorite questions from the AMA. So Aaron Paul decided to one-up him and basically uh, gave out what he calls the bitchies. Uh, so awards, he gave out a series of awards to uh, Redditors from, from his AMA. So that's at the Nerdist channel right now, youtube.com slash Nerdist. Uh, I would like to thank Warby Parker for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist podcast. Warby Parker is a new concept in eyewear and not that uh, the eyewear has uh, crazy shapes or uh, that it goes onto a different part of your head. It's essentially a new way to get, try on, and then purchase uh, eyewear. So basically these four friends came together and they were sick of awful eyewear that was overpriced and took forever to get to people. And, you know, they believe that eyewear should not cost $300 plus. Um, I agree. Uh, I have... (laughs) 
<laughs> purchased and lost or destroyed many pairs of glasses uh, that were over $300. And the Warby Parker aesthetic, just so you guys know, is sort of a vintage inspired. There's a little bit of contemporary twist to it. But every pair is custom fit with anti-reflective polycarbonate prescription lenses. And it's high quality. It's better looking prescription eyewear at a fraction of the price. So the glasses are available exclusively through the website, warbyparker.com, which is W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R.com. And showrooms, their glasses start at $95. $95. Uh, and so, essentially, what happens is you uh, you look on their website, you go, hey, I like this handful of pairs of glasses, and then they will send them to you, you try them on, whichever ones you like, you send back, and then if you purchase, within 48 hours, uh, you get your glasses. You have to give them your prescription, of course. That, they can't guess, but uh, as long as you provide them that information and you buy a pair of glasses, you'll have it in 48 hours. Uh, so... Warby Parker, if you need your glasses, that is definitely the place to get them. You don't have to go into an eyeglasses store uh, and spend a lot of time. You can totally do it on the fly. So do that. Go to warbyparker.com and pick up your glasses. I do want to point out that that expedited shipping does not count for home try-ons. It's only if you purchase the glasses. But, you know, you can hang on to the glasses, try them on, send them back, and then you'll get your glasses right away in two days with the offer code NERDIST. So, Warby Parker, thanks for sponsoring this episode of the NERDIST Podcast, which is our dear, dear friend, Eddie Pepitone. Eddie Pepitone! uh, Who is... um, If you've never seen Eddie live, you have to. It's an experience. He's just... He's one of those guys that... I no matter where I am and he's performing, I will always go to. I will always get there a little bit early to see him perform if I have a set on the same show because uh, he is that fucking amazing. So he has a, a, a guy made a documentary. Just a fan of Eddie's made a documentary about him called The Bitter Buddha, which is out uh, on all the available portals uh, that you can uh, get. Uh, digital content and uh, Eddie's a great guy and we love him and we are very happy to have him on the Nerdist Podcast episode number 396 with Eddie Pepitone it's not a great Eddie Pepitone I just did (laughs) so instead of listening to my Eddie Pepitone impersonation let's listen to the best Eddie Pepitone impersonator Eddie Pepitone now entering Nerdist.com Tell you why we shouldn't talk about this in the podcast yeah, okay. because I don't want to say yeah, yeah. I don't want to uh, say here's the Eddie Pepitone podcast. There are Breaking Bad spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Less people will listen if there are spoilers. Um, Get it out now. But yeah, how do you talk about shit these days? We could talk about that a little bit. How do you talk about shit these days since everyone tapes everything? It's ridiculous. It it's is, fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Right? Is it really a spoiler to talk about something? After, the day after it happened? I, we, I've talked about this on... Yeah, uh, yeah Maybe it was yeah. this show or another podcast I've done where I think we put it at seven months. <laughs> before. That's insane, That's though. the... Seven months is when Don't people... You when you yeah. can't... When people can't get mad at you. And if they do get mad on you, that's really on them. You're so. recording, right, Katie? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd say if you're a season behind on something... Yeah. Then that's, that's on you. Then that's, that's, that's really on you. You could talk about it day after. <laughs> you can talk about it. People still go nuts about the uh, fucking the wire spoilers. <laughs> now it's that's like, very funny. Actually, it's like what the fuck is your problem? You know, if the Bible would, if if the Bible came out, I on haven't a finished. Ser- it. I haven't finished it. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's like that. You know, 
I got to Genesis. It's so far really good. Yeah. It's very uplifting. Oh my God! <laughs> when he creates the heavens and the earth. Oh no! I'm still at uh, Peter Frampton. Oh. <laughs> he created Peter Frampton. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Phil Collins has not entered the picture as the lead singer yet. <laughs> Spoilers. Well uh, I have it. Last time I saw Eddie, we were shoved in a BMW on the way back to the airport from Sketchfest. <laughs> oh fuck! The San Francisco Sketchfest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was brutal. That was it. Was uh, it was me, Eddie, Besser, and Ian Roberts. It was the four biggest comedians you could shove in Except a car. Besser. You mean most famous? Yeah, yeah. But Besser's like super, <laughs> Besser. You know, Besser on his own is like tall. six and a half feet tall. So you were there when we went to San Francisco Airport instead we, yeah, of the instead Oakland of Oakland Airport. Airport, and you looked at your thing. It's like I was supposed to go. Here. Yeah, <laughs> like, that oh, was fuck, we all unbelievable. Are. Unfucking! I was, was pissed uh, off at that. That our little driver <laughs> was just taking us to San Francisco Airport, and we almost got to San Francisco Airport. We were supposed to be in the Oakland Airport. Oh uh, yeah, that's in a completely different yeah, direction. It was. Yeah, we yeah. made it, and we're all squeezed together. Yeah. And so we had to just, you know, we made it. But it was like, <laughs> what the? Fuck? If you were really a nice guy, you would have just flown out of San Francisco. You would have just found a way <laughs> to fly to San. Oh, it's fine. I should have. <laughs> I should have oh, accommodated oh, that don't mistake. Worry. Never mind. Let I'll, me get a very you know expensive day of ticket Here's what we'll if do. I can. We'll all rent a smaller car <laughs> and drive, drive back to Los Angeles. That <laughs> <laughs> was, was a miserable experience, that whole ride. I left a really nice hat in that car and never got it back you... as well. I, I thought it was an evil ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ian, no, Ian was shotgun, right? So what? it was us three yeah. in the back. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, It was terrific. It was, it was a good conversation. It was quite a yeah, it was a lot of fun. The lot last of fun. time, uh, oh, what did you guys talk about the whole time? I don't remember. Probably about the fact that we were all squeezed in the car. We were ragging on other <laughs> yeah. comics. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's that's for the record. I like anyone that. Not, I like that. Anyone not? Uh, <laughs> I like that. Anyone not in comedy? Uh, you know, uh, when you're on the, in the the festival ride from the airport to the festival is always ragging on whatever comedians aren't in the car. <laughs> 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 I mean, I know Chris, you don't find that anymore because you probably get a town car on your own. Mm-hmm. But uh, those of us that have to still ride a van. <laughs> okay, now wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ha- <laughs> 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 having a car service—it's very convenient. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's not that I don't like being around other people. I just don't want to hear them talk. <laughs> if I can have a rider, not to I lose touch. <laughs> with the I'm sorry, Eddie. I didn't address you first. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't looking at you, so it was a very liber—a big liberty that you took to just talk out that way. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the first time I met Eddie was in like 2001, maybe when you were doing Hump Day with Sean Conroy oh, at the when here. the UCB in New York was over by McManus, oh like the God. McManus Pub over over there. It was like yeah. that the, that building was like falling down. Uh, Which uh, the UCB or the old McManus? UCB? Yeah, yeah. I, th- oh, I seem to remember. Like, wasn't yeah. it? It was a kind of in a sad state, right? Yeah, very sad. Maybe it did fall down. It could have, but they moved it before that happened, so it didn't fall on anyone. But that was a really that was a really fun show. That was the first time I met you, and you mm-hmm. and Sean have been doing this Wednesday night show there for for a while, right? Right, right. I love uh, I love the uh, the chemistry that me and Sean have. He's like a great straight man. Yeah, and uh, funny freaking straight man. And uh, I I just get to go 
off the wall, you know, and he rail, reels me in. But that was a really fun show. That was, yeah. Where did you start? Did you, were you, are you from New York? Where are you from? I, I don't want to brag about that, but yes, I uh, <laughs> was born in Brooklyn. Oh. Uh, and again, uh, in the Flatbush area. Uh, there was a lot of depression in that area, but that I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting into the heart of things. Um, <laughs> let me just stay on the surface. <laughs> That's what we do well, right? We stay on the surface because if I really wanted to talk about what was really going on with me, it would be so fucking bleak. No, no, but <laughs> but you do that in your, uh, but you still manage to do that in the in your in your act in your set. You still manage to talk about real stuff. I do. I do. It's like I think because depression and angst is so omnipresent in my life that I now talk about it like I'm talking about like, oh, I got a, I got a muffin today on Larchmont <laughs> Boulevard. Like the so same depression's way- like a sadness muffin. You get like a sa- – I got a sadness muffin today go to, uh, go to from 2 p.m. until about 8 p.m. I didn't leave – I didn't leave the bakery, which I call. Well, my I home. think you're taking the analogy a little far with the muffin there. Really, a well, little. You're the one who brought up the muffin. I shouldn't have. So, no. What I meant. <laughs> Good. You should feel bad. <laughs> there's there's different levels of it too, based on the number well, of blueberries. Eddie, in I don't know. Muffin. I was walking up Larchmont today in a rage for some reason. <laughs> I was on Larchmont. Everybody, today. were you on Larchmont? Yeah, it's to too nice. Do you, do you know that things when they're too nice get me very angry? Really, and Larchmont is one of those things. I know that bullet. Boulevard, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't need to see a, uh, a a woman in her mid fifties in leather pants and spike heels. Yes, getting you know that's not really Larchmont. Larchmont, you'd see that woman in her yoga pants. Oh, is it more that's yoga what pants? You would see. Am I thinking True. more Beverly Hills? Yeah, I, so, I, I think still feel so. like, but there's some shishi people in Larchmont. There, oh, there are very because Hancock plenty. Park is, yeah. has fucking mansions. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, that oil. Was discovered in the Hancock Park district. Did you know that that was a bit? It was a big oil area. Today, <laughs> <laughs> a can of WD forty. <laughs> Somehow, there's still a can of oil floating. Around. <laughs> they haven't yet put it in a plastic bottle. Get it? Get it? No, I think that's where the original wealth of that area came from. Right, right, right. There was the guy. I'm very proud of my LA history. Also, people get fucked over in show business all the time. Well, I know a lot about LA. <laughs> Show business isn't fair. Oil was discovered in Hancock and Hancock Park. And uh, so you're what saying else? that's not fair? <laughs> you're the oil showbiz- in the Hancock Park is not fair because you're saying I... showbiz isn't fair. <laughs> and then oil was discovered. Were those two independent no, no. thoughts that define it... Los Angeles? Yes. Okay. So yes. Okay. So it's not like. Is it unfair? First of all, this business is unfair, and now yeah. these fucking cocksuckers are discovering oil <laughs> in Hancock Park. I think it was first the oil, then the business. Hancock Park was the Beverly Hills before Beverly Hills. Oh. That's right. That's yeah, where, like, yeah. Clark Gable would live. And- do you like the old Hollywood history? I love it. I love, I love it, too. You do, too? You know why? Because it's the only history this region of the country has. <laughs> like, you go oh, anywhere yeah. else you go, and it's like, oh, in the, you know, at least in the, at least when you go to the East Coast, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. look at here, there's a... Uh, the bil- pilgrims were here. Are there this building? You oh, know, right. like the oldest buildings in New York date back to the 1600s. Yeah, yeah. But that's here, where I'm from. Here, right? Okay, <laughs> don't, you don't have to brag about it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Flatbush. I get it. Uh, um, but uh, the pilgrims never came to Flatbush. <laughs> they didn't. I don't know why. They felt unsafe. I, they did. Um, yes. but They're like, I don't yes. want to take a train if yeah. I have to go to Midtown. 
Hey, yo, uh, yeah, right. bunch of fucking, <laughs> bunch of fucking buckle hats hey. walking over here. <laughs> buckle hats. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, yeah, I do like all that stuff because it is, mm. it's the only history we have. And it's, it's right. The, it's showbiz history. It is, it's showbiz history because yeah. all, all of the showbiz history essentially squashed all of the like oil and orange grove history. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, the oldest, probably the oldest section of Los Angeles is probably like Olivera Street, which is like the, sort right. of the old, Almost a little pueblo, and yeah. then and yes. then after that, it's just like, and then Hollywood, yeah, and well, that's pretty much it. Downtown is interesting because now they are basically electronic stores, but they used to be famous, famous theaters down there mm. where all the greats did, you know, vaudeville and stuff like W. C. Fields, Chaplin, Laurel and Hardy, all those guys, and I'm always fascinated about that. Let me ask you this: When you're backstage at like UCB or here at Meltdown <laughs> or whatever, and you're doing like crazy costumes and stuff, do you ever stop and go? This is probably what vaudeville was like. Do you ever, you know, do you ever I, think that? I don't. And uh, I don't. And I, I, Because what we don't do well, what L.A. doesn't do well is, is connect to its past. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But they, they don't, like, let you know that this is where Chaplin yeah. was or the old studios You got to seek it out. Or, like, all those little Disney cottages in Silver Lake or all the Chaplin um, cottages that are sort of spread out through West Hollywood yeah. and, and all around. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good stuff. But they you, they don't really – there's no one there. I wish there was a guy on the street or something going, Chaplin, right here, sir. Like, just, like, kind of spotters dressed up in things that say Hollywood history. Or, or we, should do well, an, I, we should do an old-timey Star Maps thing. Or it's like, you should. Yeah, I, come on, and step right up, and here's where, here's where Fetty Arbuckle is. I think uh, that all, when I drive by Paramount all the time, when I go up Gower, I always, like, the if you the, mm-hmm. the third door on the right side, that was the door to the Lucy studio. Desi Lou? Yeah, that was the door. Where that, and I'm like, oh, you know, right behind that wall was the fucking Lucy's mm. apartment Isn't set. there a little cemetery in there, and too? If you, I don't know. Are you, is that where Fred Mertz is buried? Or? I don't. <laughs> well, he died at the Knickerbocker, and they just brought his body. He was yeah. living oh, at the Royal. He, yeah, he, he died the at the Knickerbocker. Knickerbocker yeah. They um, and the Knickerbocker wow. has a he had an a heart incredible attack. history too. He had a heart attack down the street, and they brought him into the. Where's the Knickerbocker? It's again? on. Uh, well, was it's Hollywood near Yucca, and, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Hollywood and Yucca. Yeah, um, somewhere around there, and uh, and I, but I think there's a cemetery somewhere, not not Hollywood Forever, but I think there's a small cemetery. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around Paramount, and then that one in Westwood, where Marilyn Monroe is buried, that you would never know is there because it's surrounded by skyscrapers. Yeah, the uh, cemetery. Yeah, there's a little memorial park oh, cemetery. Is there a memorial park or is it a cemetery? Uh, well, they have mausoleums, so it's probably a memorial park. Uh, but I think that's where hmm. that's where Marilyn's thing is. And yeah, it's. I, I love all that shit. Like, if you like, what is you, it with his? It's it's tough to sense it though. Here, for some, like, it's tough to sense that all this amazing stuff happened here. Because and maybe it's the nature it of studios where they're just kind of enclosed. Because Los Angeles, this city, um, had a couple of growth spurts, and one. Of, it's kind of one of the reasons why the valley mm-hmm. is so depressing to me. <laughs> because you just, I mean, there are nice parts of it, but if you just drive down Ventura, you're like. At some point in the 70s, they were like, we have to build as fast as possible. Do you know how to design a building? No. Fuck it. Grab some stucco and just make it brown. And so like, you just have all these really ugly buildings that it just sort of feels like they were desperately thrown up as quickly as possible without any regard. I think that's what it is about, about Los Angeles is that the city is so large and grew so fast that there was there was no planning. It was just like this community grew up here, this one grew up here, this one blew up here, and they're like, "Well, now we got to connect all this weird shit with traffic." And so <laughs> that's really what it is. It's a bunch of small little 
communities can yeah. in an unplanned way haphazardly connected by traffic. Yes. So there's no real Pat yeah. Oswald had a bit about like he's like Los Angeles is actually very ugly. When people say it's beautiful, they're usually looking up at the sky. They mean the weather's beautiful, but when you look at the buildings, yeah. most of them are pretty pretty rotten. Right, right. And the East Coast has great architecture. Brooklyn. At least there's some history there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're you're yeah. from Brooklyn, right? <laughs> <laughs> Spent so much time in Manhattan once I hit like 30. No, once I hit uh... <laughs> I don't know, 17, 14. I don't know. <laughs> Is it, Did uh, you try to like, were you like, once you sort of hit that age, were you like, I got to get out of Brooklyn and just. Well, my, I had it even worse than that. My dad moved us to the quote unquote country, which was Staten Island. So uh. that was just kind of the suburbs. And that might as well emotionally and culturally been, you know, in Kansas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though it was very close yeah. to uh, Manhattan. But I escaped Staten Island. Uh, when I was about, um, I guess around f- 16, 17, yeah. I had a little bindle. <laughs> you know those bindle? Yep. Uh, oh, we lost another talking. one. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Two old guys sitting there. Skipping the stones on, the, on, the, on New York Harbor <laughs> going, <Yeah>. shucks. <laughs> oh, I want to. Sure, it'd be fun to do something, but all this prohibition <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> pa, I hear they have theater companies over there in Greenwich Village. Oh, son, you going funny on me now? <laughs> Why are we Southern? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess because I associate low culture with this accent. We're, when I, we're from the southern part of Manhattan, you <laughs> see. <laughs> when I say you're going... Soho, as it were. <laughs> when I say you're going funny, I, of course, mean homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh, that mean. happened a long time ago, Pa. <laughs> there was nothing to do with these parts. And by these parts, I mean my parts. Anyway. Well, son, it's time I tell you about the great homosexual tradition of the Pepitones. Come with me. Here's a book. <laughs> tell you where do you... Yeah. I don't know where that's an area. Yeah. I was just thinking about... I, that stunned me. And I, I can't talk because I just envisioned that all playing out. Too, too close to home? Too close to home. Too real? To get too real? Is that what you were talking a about little before? A bit. Well, that's what I love about your, 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 your stand-up is that... Uh, there's this presentation of this like blue collar guy, but every all of the words are these incredibly literate, you know, really deep. Like your bit about the guy uh, about hecklers and the guy yeah. who, who like a really specific heckler who knows right. things about your life. Right. Why, why do you dream about red birds attacking you at night? Like, yeah. it's such a, it's so specific. It's well, so, it's so you know, specific. You know what I realized is that I'm partly channeling my father in all of my stand-up. Um, blue collar meets new age. You know, that's my stand-up. Like, I grew up in such a blue-collar uh, neighborhood in Brooklyn and and in Staten Island, yet I always, like, strive to get out of that blue-collar stuff. And my dad is a perfect example of that. Like, he would listen. He was into classical music. He'd listen to Mozart and Beethoven one minute, and the next minute he would just be going, where the fuck are my glasses? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, we, we had high culture and death threats at the same time in my house constantly. <laughs> My dad for, you know... He was I will an- choke you with these hopsichord strings. <laughs> I never knew the classical music scene was so brutal. 
It's pretty intense. You yeah. know what I mean? There are gangs in Juilliard that will cut your ass. They will cut a bitch. <laughs> they will cut a bitch. With, uh, with the cat hair of the bow uh, <laughs> on the... No, but um, so I've always kind of married, uh, you know, real blue-collar <laughs> rage. Like just like working-class <laughs> dissatisfaction and like high culture. You know, and that's what I love to do. That's what I, I love to do, and that's kind of who I am too. I've, I've become my father. I don't know if you gentlemen have become your fathers, but getting there. I, do you do you ever like catch yourself fucking my mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was an anomaly because my parents hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I, I can't add to that. I, I, I was gonna say. No, I, I was gonna say. Just catch yourself sounding like your dad. <laughs> oh, like. Oh right, no. This is kidding. Before I was just doing you a went bit. to a place. Oh far, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was far just. I was just beyond. I was just what? raising the stage. I was just playing around. I was just playing around. Hey. I was just playing around. Yeah. I'm, oftentimes I'm like these pants are fit weird. You know. I'm like that's my dad. Uh, your dad always struggled with pants. Always. <laughs> So he was a pants. One of the first bits I, I wrote, do you remember that that guy who got thrown in jail and it was a, a big electronics franchise back east called Crazy, Crazy Eddie. Eddie? Yeah. And I wrote this thing where like, um, come on down to Crazy Swamis. Are you searching for inner peace? Are you trying to get the demons out of your head? Well, if you come to Crazy Swamis, I got lovely lavender towels. This is one of the first. I got a warehouse full of plum incense. That's amazing because one of my first bits was based on <laughs> Crazy Gideon, who was the West Coast version of Crazy Get Eddie. Get out of here! And Is it that was true. It's it was all true, and the whole bit was about um, uh, oh fuck, Crazy uh, Gideon. I've heard of Crazy. He was a spinoff. Well, he was just ABC a- picked him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, but but he, I need the Crazy Eddie type. Yeah, uh, it was stuff like uh, mm-hmm. it, it was all about exploring the insanity of it. Like, if I had the courage, I would cut my own wrist. But since I don't oh, that I'm slashing prices on that was Hamilton great. Beach three-speed blenders. Oh, that was great. Yeah. yeah. So if I had the courage, <laughs> I'd slit my own. If I hurt you physically, take an additional ten percent off my. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I heard you do that. That's a great. That's bit. one of my oldest bits. Is it? Uh, but I, but that idea, that guy, that you know. I, lo- I didn't thought about it in those terms, but yes, blue collar rage with the soul yeah. of an artist is a really interesting, fun concept. Like, how yeah. else could you get like bridge and tunnel people to relate to Trader Joe's bits? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, you know, so I'm always uh, mining that well of like, and I, I I've got to keep up on higher culture because you know it's a battle in my soul. Like, I love to watch the NFL. You know, I love to watch football, but on the other hand, you know, I like to listen to, you know, box. Uh, Men Turner Overdrive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You guys are not finishing my sentences properly. <laughs> we are not twins. We are not long lost brothers, apparently. <laughs> You but, know the bass side always wins out, though. I realize, like as 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 Mozart's much... cock told me that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't to... really any 
It's not really. Well, that makes sense. Well, how does that know. make sense? I was just. I was illustrating his point. <laughs> okay. I was illustrating his point. It's. It is. It's. It's just that puerile response to we're we're talking like responsible adults now. Fart, fart, fart. Like you it just. It's hard to not. Yeah. It's hard to not do that. I. I apologize. We're gonna do better no. from now on. <laughs> we're gonna do better from now on. Okay. I promise. I mean, I can't <laughs> keep that promise up. You're. Listen. You're from Flatbush. <laughs> you deserve better. We're Where are you from? You... <clears throat> uh, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so that's I'm... an interesting <clears throat> little mix, huh? I'm 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 uh, historically yeah. southern. Yeah. Um, I would have never got that from you. Yeah. You really hide that. You don't like do the spittoon thing. Or... <laughs> no, I I haven't. I haven't seen you <laughs> with chaps. a walking stick no. or. You know, there's no medulla. You're not overly courteous. No. <laughs> White linen suit. Um, no, or the things I associate with the South, just, you know, in tremendous sweating. Yep. There's nothing. No, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that about me. We moved around a lot. Hunting. You don't, don't seem don't, to be a hunter. Not really a hunter. No, no. Right? You're not a hunter. I'm not. I'm not a hunter. Good for you. I've only. I only, I only ever I, I never fired a gun until um, until we had to do a stunt on the Walking Dead show where it's like oh this the guns that they use yeah know, I fired time. a gun for the first time in my life uh, a little while ago too I went to uh, a, a shooting range yeah because I want to protect against home invasion like the next fella sure. of course you know and uh, I went to a shooting range and it was a bizarre experience I gave myself like tremendous bruises by the way that was a joke about home invasion the only way I protect against home invasion is coming at someone nude. <laughs> And if that, that really does, that's very disconcerting to anyone who breaks in with my physique. Yeah. Like, you just come at someone nude when you're an overweight blue collar guy. And people are like, fuck it, I could do better the house next door, or whatever it is. This is what I love. I've, always loved, I've always loved your commitment <laughs> I to. I can do better. I've always... <laughs> is someone in my demeanor, someone who has lived a life not well lived, comes at you like that nude, you, you want to go pitch, to another house? Can I pitch a bit to you? Yes. Okay, so the guy breaks in, and you come at him naked, but you're still self-conscious about your body, so you're kind of apologizing in the sense, like, don't take my stuff. Look, I'm really that's, working out. I'm- that's even more, that would make them run even quicker, because the psychology, the layer of horrific psychology there. It is cold in here, otherwise I would be showing. I had a low-calorie dinner last night. <laughs> Have breakfast like a prince, dinner like a papa. Where are you going? By the way, that's how you force someone, uh, someone who's broken into your house's hand, is to immediately start. Start. They, you force their hand. They're either going to kill you or leave. Because if you start in, no, if no, and this is my advice to people who listen to this podcast. I don't know what your demographic is, but if you are, a, if you are in an area where there's a lot of home invasion. Immediately start talking out your inner life because that will scare the shit out of people. I'm trying to love my wife. It doesn't work. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's it's something about me. I like, you know, small things in my ass, like whatever it is. I'm sexually That's not frustrated. I'm, just, huh? I'm sexually I'm sexually frustrated, yet I can't stop watching Breaking Bad, whatever it is. I built up a lot of emotional walls. To keep people out because I feel like if I can destroy something, then it can't hurt me. And now they're telling me there are good carbohydrates. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you start talking about food and people leave. It's like quinoa, it's supposed to have enough protein. I don't know if it does. 
I don't know if it does. Raw food. They have to use too much garlic to flavor it. I don't buy it. I'm not buying it. When did heat become bad? (laughs) Yeah, the cavemen ate that way. They didn't want to. They had to. He'd either have killed you or left because you forced their hand. There's no, like, in cold blood scenario where they tie you up and slowly, you know, Robert Blake or whoever it is, Truman Capote. The best way to keep all your tchotchkes, really, is what we're saying. And listen, if you're you're going to die, all your tchotchkes. If you're going to die anyway, you don't want your last words to be, oh, my God, please don't hurt me. (laughs) What were his last words? That's right. He was shouting about quinoa. (laughs) He had eaten at this place called the Sun Cafe, raw food, (laughs) but they didn't have good ventilation, and him and his wife's eyes were tearing, and that's when he shot him. He was in the middle of that story. You were so, you've always, you're always so on board whenever it involves, like, comedy or performance. I remember Furman and I came to your place once. We We were doing... We were going to do this thing at UCB, and then we never end up doing it. But we were going to yeah. uh, years ago. We were going to fake the um, like the slideshow that you see before a movie before they start yeah. rolling previews. So we we basically uh, did did all these fake ads for things. Oh uh, yeah, like you know, fake like who like, was I again? You were uh, you were a guy that we when we came over we were like okay. Um, <laughs> Do you mind if we take a picture of you shirtless? And you're like, okay. And, <laughs> and you didn't even ask what it was for. <laughs> That's the problem with my career. <laughs> Are you the Mountain Dew people? <laughs> As they're leaving. <laughs> no, we're from Duck Hunters. Fuck! <laughs> the, uh, so the, the fake ad that we made with you, we made a couple, but one of them was, uh, <laughs> was an ad for X-Lax. And it's you shirtless and you're pointing... And the the quote for Xlax was uh, because you work for me, asshole. Where it was literally just a guy like <laughs> using Xlax to order his ass. <laughs> you never did it though, right? Because I, I we did it oh. one time, and then we never Let's we never did back. it again. I get involved back. in a lot of projects that don't. You know, they yeah, they film me, and then I'm like, where is it? What and happened to like, that? I don't know. It's it's going to eventually be on Tia. Uh, what is that station? TCM TM. with. Uh, oh yeah, Turner who's the guy movies? who's taking over from? Who's the big guy on TCM? Jay Arsborn. Oh okay, but now he's being kind of replaced by a younger, hipper dude. They're still so doing that. There they go. Yeah. I, have, I haven't watched TCM in a really long time. Oh, yeah, but they yeah. still do I the... either. I watch it because you know you flick around and he it's likes like, oh, black and white. He sees it. He's like, this well, is like box it's like my Charles. Eyes. Yeah, I'll flick around. It's like Charles Boyer's in it. And I'm like, oh Christ! I probably should watch this. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that I want to, but I'm like, I should know this history why about you, Charles Boyer. Why did you move to Los Angeles? Was it for more acty stuff? Or? Uh, that sounds like an ac- an accusatory way you put that. Um, <laughs> but let me rephrase I, that. It ha- <laughs> Why did you move to Los Angeles, you cunt? <laughs> <laughs> to fuck my mother. No. Um, no what, you too? No, I don't know why that came out. But um, it happened really organically. I, I was um, working in UCB in New York, and Scott Armstrong, co-writer of Old School, came up to me and said, would you like to do one of these characters in this movie that we're filming with Todd Phillips? So I came out here to film Old School, and they put me up like a half a block from Venice Beach and my manager my one of my first managers uh, was out here 
And she was like, you should come out here. Like, as I was falling in love with Venice Beach, it was wild because that, that's that been the pinnacle for me. Like, <laughs> like, 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 no, when I came out here, I was living on Venice Beach. I was working in old school. I was getting a nice paycheck and living right on the beach. And I kind of fell in love with it. And she was kind of pushing me to come out here. And a lot of my friends from New York had moved out here. So it just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, I left it after the movie. I only came back to New York for another, like, six months. And then I was doing Last Comic Standing. I think it was the first season. Oh, yeah. You were on Last Comic Standing. <laughs> That's right. I always I, I always, I always, yeah. put that show out of my head. I know. I, me, too. I, I did watch your season. Was that the, was Doug on that season? Or was uh, that was Doug in season another? Doug Benson? I think Doug was in four. No, no. Four. Doug was not on that who was season. In your, who was in your season? Uh, I was on it twice, by the way, which I don't know why I did it the second time. But the first time, it was the first year. That was the Dat Fan year. Yes. Yes. Dat Fan had some great interviews where he cried about his family and he won the whole bundle. I didn't know it was about that. Because <laughs> you could have tapped into some stuff. You would take. You would I take was it. doing my miserable self. Like, come on, I don't. You know, just comedy. You know, it shouldn't be a competition. <laughs> I just saw. I just saw Jay London wandering around uh, Silver Lake the other day. It'll be over soon, folks. <laughs> Let me move the scenes. <laughs> Jay London wandering around Silver Lake. Yeah. He's one of those guys who's always wandering around. Like it's not like going toward. Like he's not going to something. He's just kind of wandering. I never. <clears throat> I always want to say hi to him, but I always feel like when I do, he doesn't remember me. Like, right? I, I've, like I met him a bunch. I, I used to do shows with him, you know. And then uh, I think that's funny that you feel it sounds like slightly intimidated by <laughs> I'm a little intimidated by him. Yeah, because you know what I mean. The guy's like, <sighs> "Hey, it's me." And we met at this thing, and then we did this he's show. He's a quiet and guy, a, and he's a very he's a very quiet guy. But I always thought he was hilarious. But that show. the last last Comic Standing show mm. uh, always bummed me out because yeah, I was like, "Oh bummer. fuck, man." They're they're basically it's because it's a partial reality show. Yeah, they have to do what reality shows do, which is create drama. And when you create drama mm-hmm. from comedy, you're basically exposing comics. Like not we don't like we don't do this in the podcast, but you're basically <laughs> you're basically taking at all least, the fun out of what of what comedy should be, unless, and yeah, making totally. everyone compete and be shitty toward the each other. Competing, unless you're Todd Glass, in which case he just did bits. Yeah, he did the bits. whole time. Yeah, <laughs> but the competing part is such a bummer. Having to sit in the camera and go. I think I'm funnier than. Oh I was like, my god! Oh, no, that sucks so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Or just getting judged by a panel. Is there anything worse? Like, yeah. like you do your set, and I remember this when I got knocked out, quote unquote, in Las Vegas, and I was getting judged by Aisha Tyler and a couple of other comics. I think Phyllis Diller, a uh, couple of other people. Yeah. Like Phyllis Diller was like in a low grade coma at that time. <laughs> no, because she. Passed me in the hall with a handler or whatever they call them to people who are helping you get from one place. What? Lover. Lover. I don't think it was a lover. (laughs) But she just passed me and there was nothing, nothing was going on, you know? And it was just so brutal to get judged. By you know people as disparate as Aisha Tyler, Phyllis Diller, and then I Ant. don't know who the other one was. Huh? <laughs> no, Ant was a contestant. Ant, oh. He became though he something became like uh, did he become a judge? Yeah, that was a debacle. All that stuff. Is it when you were? But it got me some popularity though. But when you were shooting it, did it? Did it? Did you understand what was happening, or was it not until afterwards where you're like, oh, that's what we did? Yeah, it wasn't until it wasn't until afterwards. I mean, I knew I didn't like the whole process of the reality vibe to it. Mm-hmm. You know. 
But it wasn't until afterwards that I saw, you know, the thing. Do they make like, you guys live in the house together? No, I didn't live in the house. I didn't get that far. I went to the the. I always I the, both times I went to the semifinals in Las Vegas oh. and was voted. And they have you standing there. It's very funny. You have you standing there, and you know the other comics. Like I remember, I was with Aaron Foley, and we were both whispering. Oh, Aaron's our so breath. fucking funny. Yeah, we both whispering our breath. I hope I don't get picked for the house. But I mean, you know, you're on the stage and you're standing there like beauty pageant contestants, literally. And they're going, and the next person in the house will be. You know what I mean? And you're like, you know, kind of fucked up. And I had to go through it, though, according to my shrink. (laughs) <laughs> that was something you had well, to she take tells on. me I am where I am now because I went through what I went through, and I'm like, I'm paying you for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interactive internet shrink. It's called. It's inter- internet. Have you done it? Inter- interactive internet shrink. No, what? I'm kidding. Oh, I thought <laughs> for a second. Hello, and it's like talking to Siri. Hello, <laughs> how do I get to where I want to go? Please in... repeat the question. <laughs> I can't help okay. you with that, Eddie. <laughs> I can't. Why did you. Larchmont Boulevard enrage me today? Why do you think Larchmont Boulevard enraged? <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> they, you can make a fortune with that program. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> Oh, so now, uh, so you have a you have a special, you have, you, not a special. Uh, there was a documentary made about me. Oh, the documentary. Which first of all, yeah, I was in London when you were. Uh, oh, I heard about that. I was performing in London, and you, I was staying right not far from the Soho Theater. Get that. And I saw your how? name on the thing, and yeah, and uh, you go to London a lot, I guess now, huh? Not as much. I mean, I've been a couple times in the last year. Okay. Um, but uh, where were you? Put- that was really interesting because I did London in May. I had a three week run at the Soho Theater. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was a gr- it's a great theater. It was six shows a week. And uh, I was like, for me, I was like, holy shit, I'm doing stand up in London. I mean, I've been performing internationally now a bunch since I, since I did Edinburgh um, last year. Um, How did Edinburgh go? It it went it went really good. I mean, it went surprisingly good for me, and I didn't realize how much they care about comedy over there, as opposed to like over there, comedian is like a respected occupation. You know right. what I mean? It's really like people are like very interested. I couldn't believe the amount of press that I got at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, festival and it kind of opened up like I've been in five countries this year I did you know it's like an international trade show in right. a way you know what I mean this year I did uh, Dublin I did London I did Oslo and Bergen in Norway these guys saw me and they run a uh, Norwegian comedy festival I was like what the fuck is this and it w- they were the greatest audiences really yeah it was did you amazing. do the whole, did you do the whole month in Edinburgh uh, yes I did and that was like you know I scream my hour sets. Mm-hmm. I there isn't a lot of downtime, even though I am learning to do that. But it was twenty five shows, twenty five hour shows, in twenty six nights. There was one day off, and on the one day off, I took a train from Edinburgh to London to screen the Bitter Buddha, the documentary yeah. about me that was just being screened then. And uh, so I was exhausted. I was wow. physically. I just did that train ride. It's like a four hour four hour train ride. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. 
it's fun. It's a fucking gorgeous ride. Yeah, and just I, to me, I mean, Europe. I mean, I've just been discovering freaking Europe, which is unbelievable. You know, because I come from Staten Island, where people don't travel. You know what I mean? Well, to be fair, you traveled from Flatbush. I mean, that yes, was I you did. did go to the country. Yes, uh, yes. No, but I think it's great that you could get on a train and go to different countries. A different, oh, completely different culture. Unbelievable. In just a couple hours. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I, I had, you know, when I was doing um, the Soho Theater, I, it was six shows uh, weekly. I did three weeks, and I'd have Sunday off, and I was playing with the idea of getting on a train because you could take a train from London to France. And I was like, I almost did. It was like a three-hour train ride. But I thought it would be too much for a Brooklyn boy like me to like go to France and have to then get the train back and do the show the next day. I'd be Oh, like, well, uh, yeah, you, you know. might be a little tired, especially <clears throat> if you're doing that many shows in one month. That's, that's fucking crazy. It was <laughs> a lot of shows. What was, the, what was the material? Like, what was the crux of the material? Was it, was it like um, personal you know, stuff? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, it was personal stuff because when I go to a different country, um, it it's like I feel like I really can't talk that much politically, like because I I don't I don't know what's going on. Like I don't have like you know like like there's a great comedian in, in uh, London in the UK. Do you know Stuart Lee? I know who he is. Yeah, he's a really good comic, and he's <clears throat> he talks. Sorry, he talks a lot about politics and stuff, and like <clears throat> my voice is just going. I know, you're losing your voice just talking about the. 25 <laughs> I think it's because I've been talking about those shows. Yeah. Mm. But like the way, like I saw his set, like at the Soho Theater, Stuart Lee performed one night, and we it was really kind of cool to to watch his set. And it's it's just so specific. It's like when we do stuff about LA. It, if you live there, you can be so specific. So I felt like I really. You know, I I would just talk about what was going on with me, and and one thing I that got very good laughs was me talking about how everybody in the United States has a gun, and how like I am just like me and my wife when we're fucking, I'm pointing a gun at her, she's pointing a gun at me, and it's like I'm gonna fuck you, and she's like I'm gonna fuck, you know, like stuff like that, like just playing on the fact that there's no guns in in, in Britain. So know? did you feel like you uh, sort of altered your set to a sort of fit bit. their culture a little bit? A little bit, but that's I, when I first did the. Edinburgh, I was so afraid that they weren't like how I'm, I was like, how are they going to get me? And someone pointed out to me, well, they do speak English. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of English. do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what they want is just to, to be, I mean, you perform there. They just want you to be authentic. That's all they want. And they particularly, love. Particularly British culture, I think. Particularly mm. British culture. If they feel like you're being inauthentic, then they will, they will fucking attack you. They'll just, they'll just call you a cunt and then, and, and then scream at you. Yeah, if they feel like you're lying to them, or if you're if not. you're lying to them, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, not, I mean, obviously, if you're doing some some of the things you might are lying, but I mean, like, really, like spiritually lying to them, you know, like if you're inauthentic, I guess is the best. I think I think part of it too with Eddie uh, is that they when they think of an American guy, <laughs> it's probably Eddie. They, what Eddie are you Pepitone saying now? Pops into their head. What I'm saying. <laughs> A no, I just, I'm just genuine, just... a boisterous, genuine, yeah. loud, right? Just, just a loud guy that but, will. But just... the fact that you can present, that's what the fact think. that you can be that, that that's the presentation, yeah. that's the rapping. Yeah. 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 But there are yeah. really intelligent, soulful things being said within that. Yeah. Is yes, is yeah. really, is really. Fa- I fucking loved. I saw you do this at Tiger Lily one night. I don't know if it was a bit you ever developed. <laughs> we were talking about how you would, uh, you would just gotten over a Vicodin addiction. Right. And you said uh, you said the slogan for Vicodin. Oh, it's like, come to think of it, 
uniform. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the, that's the commercial. Is me looking. I said, you know, I, I, I preface that like saying I don't put commercials because I just I'm, I, I'm too angry to do the corporate speak. But I, I thought of a commercial for Viking. It's just me looking at a camera very kind of coquettishly going, come to think of it. <laughs> I am a little sore. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's interesting about that is I did that in Edinburgh, and someone yelled out, and there weren't big laughs like I get in the States. They don't know what fucking Vicodin is over there. What? They don't have Vicodin. Their painkiller, I think, is something called Scotch. I don't- <laughs> <laughs> and it's very good over there. I don't I understand. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really interesting. They so must... those are little cultural tweaks that you have to do. Like I couldn't. I was like, "What?" I said, "What do you? What do you?" They know Valium, but that changed the whole bit. Because you know Valium, I mean? you don't take for soreness. You would. You yeah. don't take it, so it'd be come to think. Maybe I should have changed it to come to think of it. I am feeling a little anxious. <laughs> <laughs> Just make it as real as there possible. You yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, there's little tweaks like that. Like they don't, you know, products like I, I do this bit where it's honey, how'd you get the shirt so fresh? And instead of downy detergent, I had to use, they have something called, I think it's Dax is their big detergent or some shit. So it's basically shit. The, the American Express Seinfeld commercial where he goes, it, uh, where oh, he goes over yeah. and he, he bombs talking about like baseball and whatever. And yeah. then he takes oh. his American Express card all around London and then he's like, that was a wicked googly making. Yeah. yeah. Making oh, real, oh, yeah. that kind yeah. of cricket shit. references and stuff. I, yeah. I actually found the, um, I performed at the Leicester Square Theater, and, and I oh, found... Oh, right. That's where you were. I found it to be... It was great. It was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I want to go back. I love London so much. It's just hard, because you, yeah. you can't just go for a weekend. Uh, well, you so, can, right. if you like 20 right. hours on a plane. <laughs> exactly. I, the Soho Theater, I felt a little judged. Like, it was like a theater, so it's a night out. It's a little snazzy there. It's a little snazzy, so I'm coming out there, and I would come out screaming, Why do they keep... Taking Liam Neeson's kid. That was my opener. <laughs> <laughs> and I would come out like, I would come out loud. <laughs> That's how I would come out. I wouldn't address them. I wouldn't fucking address them. I was like, how do they keep taking this kid? Did you see what he did to the kidnappers and taking one? He took their balls. And in between the rant, I would go, thank you for coming. Like, I'd lower my voice. And I'd go, thank you for coming. I'm just, I mean, you had a lot of choices tonight. And thank you for making this your choice. And then I'd go right back That that reminds me of your bit about about your son being kidnapped. Mm. If those motherfuckers are watching this broadcast, I will fucking murder you. Again, if they're not here, I really (laughs) I would say if... If the kidnappers is in this room, I will fucking cut your balls off. I'll feed them to you one by one till you have no more balls. And I will feed them to you without a dipping sauce like you get in those nice Thai restaurants. And again, I want to apologize if the kidnapper's not here, but I don't have the money that Mel Gibson had in the movie Ransom to hit a wide audience. I have to hope the kidnapper's in the room. <laughs> I happen to be in at the time. I just saw Life of Pi. I addressed the audience. I was told to shut up and sit down. But I just want to make it clear that I'm not. But if you are here... <laughs> Yeah, I did that bit for a while. Yeah, I should I should do that bit again. But there's so many kidnappings going on lately 
that I feel that like it's sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm not doing it, because it would work. <laughs> why do you always destroy things that would work, Eddie? Come on, this is the core of it. But then there was that, and then I think, did you ever record the, um, when you mm. were, was it a rap? Did you do a rap where you're like, where like the yeah. guy. The depressed rapper? The depressed rapper, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, that one is like uh, yeah. Now that's an interesting one because for some reason I I don't know why, but that one didn't go over great uh, overseas. Where I'm like, uh, you know, I hate rappers because they just have too much confidence. I would be a de- I would rap for the insecure and depressed, and I'd be like, yo, my, and I can't rap, but it would go like this. I'm gonna talk to rap, yo, motherfucker. I am gonna put a cap in your ass, but not tonight. Tonight I have to take a nap. Why, motherfucker? Because I recently switched, and I just recently switched antidepressant medications. And when you first switch, motherfucker, there's a two to three day period where your blood has to adjust. Cocksucker. And I just go on and on. What was the one about like? J- it's a weird bit because I'm speaking it. What was it? What was the girl? It was something about the girl's name. Like, was it like Jennifer or something? I want to. Oh, wanna... I'm gonna fuck your fat ass, Julie. <laughs> Julie, but not until, not because I was always saying that in rap songs. They're always talking about uh, fucking fat asses. But and and, and and so I'd be like, I'll fuck your fat ass, Julie, but not for at least six to eight weeks because I was recently told I look clownish. So what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Is cook is cook with very little oil, very little, oil. and like I scream very little. Matter of fact, they even have spray oils on the market now. I'm gonna use spray oils, and I'm gonna work out in an intense environment. And if I lose thirty to forty pounds, then I'll fuck your fat ass. But it, it's hard to come off. The weight doesn't come off. I get lonely. And I start eating while I'm watching things like, I don't know, anything. (laughs) I just meander into nothing. (laughs) But it's the information is so specific. Like, it's not, you, I don't, it would be very difficult for someone to steal your material because it's so specific to you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. information is so specific. It's just like it, it really just feels like you're you're just sort of pulling this endless thread out of your brain and then and letting it. Collect that's kind of what it, I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, which is sometimes hard for me. That that's a gift and a curse, which I know is a popular saying. But uh, it's like I sometimes have trouble building sets because I like to just do that thing where everything comes out on a thread. But sometimes I'm like, oh. I, I I don't like to build on it. You is, know? it is it hard for you to do TV sets? If because yeah, there's a cer- really hard. Because man. I would imagine that there's a certain amount of like it's been a bane. You have to existence. you have to you have to kind of let the audience know what you're about, and then yeah. you can kind of get into the yeah. The, yeah. the stage persona. But when yeah. you only have like four minutes, how do you do that? It's difficult. It really is difficult. I, I I've done them. I've done them, but it's difficult for me to 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 do TV. I got to figure out how to do them better. You know, how to just build them better in my style. I, I, I have to do that before I die. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no, you know what I mean. I'm getting up there, you know. So I've, I've heard about Bitter Buddha, but I haven't seen mm-hmm. it yet. So is it? Is it is... Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Well, I have a DVD for you, so you'll be able to see it. But it I is. I really want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah documentary. Uh, this guy, Stephen Fine Arts, really Great director. I didn't know back then, but he approached me after seeing me do a lot of the live rants on WTF. Like mm-hmm. he just said, oh, fuck, I want to I want to 
do a documentary on you. And I was like, okay, I like this guy immediately. And he followed me around uh, for, I think it was close to a year. And um, he, he, he did a really good job because he really gets my stand-up. He, he, he filmed me doing a lot of stand-up. And he also filmed me. The, the film culminates with me going to New York and headlining Gotham. And he, he catches me and my dad. My mom died a while ago, but he catches my relationship with my dad really good. And there's some really – there's a really great emotional arc to the film. And, and I wouldn't say the, if it wasn't true. I'm not – you know, it's just like I'm really happy with the film because – well, I mean it was tough for me to watch. I mean a lot of the intimate stuff is tough tough to watch i like watching myself perform but you know the stuff in my you know with my dad was a little difficult but it 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 really has a payoff is is what i'm saying when my dad comes to see me a headline at gotham he hasn't been in manhattan for about seven years he hasn't seen me perform in many years and we have kind of a contentious thing happening before the show and that's all i'll say oh shit but it, it 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 really has a nice arc and um you know, there's there's a lot of it's just a lot of good stuff in it, I think, and I'm really happy with it. We we did the festival festival circuit circuit with it. We we showed it in London, in Leicester Square, actually, in that cool Prince Charles Theater. Oh, I don't yeah, know if you know yeah, that yeah. that one, and and we showed it in Edinburgh, and uh, we showed it at Slam Dance, and we showed it all in and uh, South by Southwest, and it was really it was really cool, and. Um, now it's uh, now it's out on now it's on DVD, but you can get it on iTunes and there's a website, thebitterbuddha.com. You can get it as well. You know, does it feel weird that that's out there? Um, yeah, you know, no. I mean, because I like it, I really like it. But I know what you're saying. Like, why, why that, would it, why would what, like why would if there's a document? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just because you know, there's a. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think if you have a strong stage persona, you might be mm. there might be a barrier between who you know who you are right. more intimately, yeah, and maybe that you know you don't, yeah, because I don't, you know, what's interesting is uh, I'm I'm very, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty much like I am, but right. I'm also very serious, and I think all day long, you know, when I'm like making podcasts or whatever, and I go yeah, home yeah. and I'm just very quiet and serious, yeah. but also. Uh, uh, it's kind of private and protective to the standpoint. <laughs> this drives this drives my girlfriend crazy. Yeah. I just shut all the curtains in the bed. I don't like curtains open, even if it's even <laughs> if it's not even possible for someone to see in. <laughs> well, she, with ladder technology, that's true. She, <laughs> and she was like, uh, "Why do you?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just don't." I you just, want? I like that the protection. Pro- you want that bubble? To I like be the there. protection, and so I, I yeah, don't. I, it is I a would sort weird. of feel like if there were intimate moments just mm. out there that. There are, for me, some cringe-worthy moments. Like, you know, I, it was difficult to watch some of the stuff because, wow, I'm like just showing, you know, like some of my flaws. You know what I mean? Like, there is a scene with me on a treadmill. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it, you know, it, it, I, I I know exactly what you're saying. But as a whole, I I really I really like it. Was it any different feeling than? Last comic standing. Oh, being big around? time! Oh, big time! That was all. That was all so fucking contrived. That last comic standing. I was not in any competition with anyone. You know what I mean? Right. So, and I felt like it was a guy as opposed to last comic standing. I felt like it was a guy who really 
understood. I mean, he, he wanted to film me because he really loved what I did. You know what I mean? And I, I felt like he, he really, you know, he, he became a good buddy of mine and we're good buddies. But uh, I felt like it was, you know, he was kind of honoring me instead of like going, what can I get out of you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And But like the first day of filming, I remember I was doing this bit at the Steve Allen Theater. I don't know what they call it now. They change it every couple of days. But I was doing this bit. At the Steve Allen Theater, at Ron Lynch's Tomorrow Show, where it's I heckle. A great show. Yeah, where I heckle from the audience. I always do this character where I'm a collage artist from Eagle Rock. <laughs> and I'm always, I always have a sick wife at home who's being kept alive in a vat of blue liquid. And it's just this running, <laughs> weird. <laughs> She's kept alive. And I'm just, he loves when I come and go, it's not easy to make a living as a collage artist. You try all the scissors and the glue and your wife is in a vat of blue liquid and she still flirts with the pizza guy. Like, just kind of <laughs> shit. Like, but that's a, That Tomorrow Show is a fun show, by the way. The what? The Tomorrow oh, yeah. Show. A ton of people show up at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, but Steve, Steve Finers is the director and he filmed me. That was the first night he filmed me. And I was like, I felt tight. I felt like, oh, shit, don't tell me I'm going to feel like there's a camera looking. But, you know, I, after that first night, I just kind of kind of relaxed into it. And I, I kind of just sensed and I intuited that it was a really good thing, good project, you know. And, and it has been really good. It's been, it's been nice for me. It's given me a nice little validation, you know, to have a movie made about me. And like I said, we took it around the country. And it's gotten – it's 94 – and this is getting 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hey, that's it's really gotten, good. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's, it's gotten really good reviews and, you know, I've gotten a lot of attention from it. So it's, it's been great. Are you okay with um, succeeding? <laughs> Why do so many people ask me that? Well, I think it's just, I have a, it's just, a, so it's just many... a comic thing. I think it's just a comic oh, thing. Oh, like, okay. It's it's does I... every comic? Are you? <laughs> um, I, I I definitely sense uh, destructive. Like uh, yeah. you know, it's a you know, it's a protection thing where someone because you cannot control, you can't control the outcome of something. But if you smash it, then you control it. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or if you're comfortable in a certain level of accomplishment or achievement and then yeah. you start to get outside that, even if it's good, you're like, oh, I got to get back to before. And so you subconsciously like smash, 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 smash. So I think that's a very comic yeah. performer sort of a thing to do. So that's that's why I'm asking. It wasn't you specific. I just – Oh, okay. Is it – Yeah, is, yeah. Is it – my narcissism thought it was you know very specific to well, me. let's talk about that then. No, because <laughs> – no, but I understand that. It's like, it's like, hold it. Wait a minute. I rail, and I, I'm big on this, like just railing against everything. So now if, if people are starting to like me, then I'm like, well, why are you, you know, it's like, it's like, I, like that famous Groucho Marx line, I, w- I don't want to be a member of a club that, that would, would have, have me. me. Yep. Yeah. yeah, something like that that I do have to, but see, I do I, have to I, fight against. But I am, I, I, I like, I like success, you know? I just I, got a nice Honda element. Hey. <laughs> Things are coming up, Eddie. I think it's, uh... <laughs> that is a funny car to mention. <laughs> By the element, it's boxy, but very practical. <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I still think that character 
character works. You so want to go to Costco? Call me. Even, <laughs> if, even if people are being nice to you, you're like, what is this bitch's fucking problem? She's bringing me food. You know, like you still. You, Every waitress. He has it an, still uh, works. He, yeah, it still, I it think still it's, could it's, work. I think it still works. You haven't under, you haven't quite grasped the concept of waiter uh, patron yet. You're like, why the fuck do you keep bringing me food? <laughs> well, you, but also when people are seeing you. Sir. When people see you perform. Do you think they're surprised afterwards when they find out, like, oh, he's actually a really nice guy? Do you think they, they always take are. Yeah. They always are because, I, I, you know, I don't know how people I, – I have to engage emotionally on stage. Like, I, I swear to God, I have to come on stage and I have to, like, feel, like – upset but my but but, but my 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 rage is cartoony but i have to be in that in that frame of mind like i have to get my voice up i have to get my dander up i can't just go on stage and do one-liners i i I wish i could because i could probably live longer (laughs) but people so when i get off stage after screaming and ranting people are always like holy shit you know you're 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 so quiet and nice and all this stuff and i'm like I know. <laughs> I love you. It's performance. It's yeah. But some people take it very literally. Like they very. will take it very literally when you say something on stage and they think Oh, oh totally. Yeah. Never underestimate an audience's inability to to catch like something ironic or to like if you tell them something they just believe it because yeah. most of the time like that's just how people they want to too because they they kind of I don't know about you but they fall in love with my persona they love that guy <laughs> they don't want it to be another guy you know they love that guy who's raging against all this shit and then I come off stage and I go no I'm okay I'm I'm good I'm just gonna go over here <laughs> just have do some you like tea. Jello. Does anybody eat Jello anymore? I love not what I expected. (laughs) Not what I expected. Why can't you be off stage more like you are on stage? It would be funny to come off stage and just like at the bar in a club or something, and just start going. You see what I mean? Look at the lighting. Like you never let up, and you never let up. Like it's just bullshit. You wouldn't be able to. You're describing that. You're describing Todd Glass. Kinda, kinda. (laughs) You were describing Todd. I had Todd on my DVD release party at the Improv, and I walked into the Improv, and there was just a shitload of people walking in, and Todd was there, and he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen," he just started playing. We're not performing yet, (laughs) but it was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Eddie Pabatone, and he came here for you people." I love And that. I wasn't ready to perform yet. I was actually feeling it was one of those nights where I was like, boy, I hope I have the energy tonight. And as soon as I crossed the threshold, and then Todd always says, was it too much? Like he does, that, that's what Todd does later. Was that too much? I hope you don't. I'll never do that again. I was like, no, it's fine. Todd is one of the most fun people to hang oh, out yeah. with. Todd he is. is. Todd is. Todd behaves like the world assumes comedians always act. <laughs> Todd is always mm-hmm. on, and but, that's why. And that's why. That's why every comedian. I've never met a comedian who does not adore Todd. But it, but the levels True. of it go so deep that I feel like Todd does that because he expects that's what the world <laughs> thinks that comics are like all the time. <laughs> you really take it to that? That is interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. I really feel like that has a lot to. That, there, there's a lot of that too. That guy, I, 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 I just love. I, love Todd I mean, because Todd. because the great thing about Todd is that what you really sense is that he's just having fun playing. Yeah, and yeah. that's really. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if there's a microphone or not. He's that's going right. To, yep. He's going. So to it's do genuine. It. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's really why we all got into comedy is that we fucking love to fucking play. Yeah. But it, but but for me, oh, you didn't get into it for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, Eddie, I had specific goals. <laughs> 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 My goals were a specific dollar amount and no less than three and a half pussies per week. Um, How do you kind of half pussy? Handjob? Um, <laughs> no, no. It's handjob's just... always funny, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about handjob and the former Yugoslavia that you can never... <laughs> I don't know why I said No, I think it's... It's with Todd. I don't know how he has the energy because when, mm. when, when I come off stage, mm-hmm. if I've done a show, if I've done two shows in a night... Or if I've worked oh, all day. two shows in a night, I just man. don't have the energy to be like on. Like that just no. saps all of the emotional energy that I have. And right. I just get really like quiet and then introverted. Yeah, yeah. He must be very sad to see when he's not on. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, when he's just hanging out. Like when he's in a tub. I picture it in a tub. I used to, yeah, when I used to do, I did comedy and everything else with him. I would produce that podcast with Jimmy and, and Todd. And Todd and I would oh, carpool right. to Pasadena to do it at Jimmy's house. Uh, and so Todd and I, we'd, left, we'd leave at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon from L.A. to go to Pasadena. Which you would do that? thing is the worst Because we had to be there at like 7 or something. So we'd like do oh, it. And that. it would just be, it's just, think of a two-hour ride with Todd Glass. And twice every every week, and it was just the fucking. We would die laughing at license plate frames. This woman, <laughs> this one time we were driving, and this woman in front of us in the blue Honda had a license plate frame that said, "I'd rather be watching I Love Lucy," <laughs> and that was the funniest fucking thing in the world to us. That no, no. matter what she was doing, I'd rather be watching I Love Lucy. <laughs> What if you're watching I Love Lucy? I'd still rather be watching a different episode. (laughs) (laughs) Around her TV is is a frame that says, I'd rather be watching a different episode of I Love Lucy. I prefer the New York years. I don't like when they went to California. (laughs) So what do you, do you want to, would you want to do a sitcom? Like what's your kind of dream job? I, I would, my, I guess my dream thing television wise would be a sketch show. That revolves around me. Like, like I would love to do, um, you know, kind of where I could like just go into different scenes and situations and stuff like that. So what you know you're what saying I mean? is the sketch show was built different premises like and different sketches, but the- you are every sketch, your Eddie Pepitone shows up into whatever like situation it is. Like the old Dana Carvey show. Is that did he do well, something? Well, no, like no. That? Dana was different characters all the time. I'm just imagining a world where Eddie can react to every situation that the sketch is built around. Oh, right. <laughs> so it's always Eddie. One of the ideas I have is that I'm in a straitjacket. It opens. I'm in a straitjacket, and you see me in a white room, and there's a fly, you know, and it's gonna land on my nose. And the fly, and this is the, how it would go. The fly then, in my mind, turns into an airplane, and so the show. And then I'm on a plane and it's a sketch, you know, a bit of reality from yeah. my life. Kind of a Walter Mitty type thing where I'm a guy who wound up in an institution because life just fucking destroyed him. But his imagination is like, you know, it's he's either getting back at the people that put him in that institution in each sketch, you know. like Is this the home. comedy show? <laughs> <laughs> no, Very much so. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
No, I, no, it could go the other way. I hear what you're saying, but it could be, it could be like a it could be like a weird dark hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, I like the hybrid stuff though. I like the dark stuff, you know. I like what what's a great dark dark comedy? Like the greatest dark comedy either 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 TV or or uh film. Like with a really dark edge to it. Can you think of one? Uh well, I guess Or who's got that vibe because that's the stuff I like to do, you know. I like to do really it's... dark comedy. What's a good example of that? I don't. I'm racking my brain. I can't really. What? Fargo. Fargo's the Coen Brothers. They they do that stuff pretty good. I was trying to think of television. It could be TV or film. TV or film. Can you think of any like really good dark movie? The Coen Brothers do that pretty good. I think. Yeah. I mean. I think. uh, Yeah. I I would say. I I like say. I would say Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. So a kind of Fargo of the mind TV show, like you know, on a on a good uh, cable outlet. You have any cable outlets you available? Oh, let me check. <laughs> or at least an app on a phone, the dark comedy <laughs> yeah, app. It's a, it's like Starring an outlet. Eddie, you're just <laughs> sort of like an outlet. Um, yeah. Oh, you said something earlier that I wanted that I was I was gonna ask you about, but I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was about the straitjacket or doing the show, doing the. Well, is it? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about just like maybe building a a, a small film around this idea? Um, yeah, yeah, um, not too hard, but for some reason I, I, I saw it more of as a, a TV thing, but yeah, a film, a film thing would be interesting. I mean, too. with, with Louie and Marin's show and other, like people, like, like they Louis should, a good example. they would yeah. be more open to, uh, pitches based around a guy. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know, but let's make it happen. Let's just do it. Yeah. You want to do it now? Maybe it's we're done. all in your brain right now. <laughs> You're just daydreaming about podcasts. Hey, fucking po- Do you know that more people, I fa- actually, this is a real statistic, more people um, are murdered during podcasts than traffic accidents in this country? <laughs> you see, if that's you say so. <laughs> no, I don't think that's right. So you're I saying think less people right. are murdered during car accidents than there are during podcasts. Oh, right, right, right. That's, that's why that works. That's why that works. They're accidents. Now, does, the, does getting a hit while you're in a car by another car count as a, a murder? Or do you mean like someone has to come along and murder you in a... There's just been a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of violence in this industry, in this form. Well, that... I, listen, personally, I appreciate you taking us to task for this. We have perpetuated a lot of violence <laughs> in podcasts. And but I, seriously, and guys, what's up with chemtrails? I mean, come on. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> They don't just appear for no reason. You're right. It's exhaust from a jet. You're welcome. Um, I, I what was the uh, uh, were you doing a show with Patton's brother too? Oh, the uh, the pudding yes uh, video. Pudding Those pudding are stri- super dark. Now that's Matt Oswald's brain. Yes, and so, you know I'll contribute. To, he he Matt approached me like a couple of years ago. I don't know how long it was at this point, but a couple of years ago he showed me these monologues that he wrote and. Uh, they were like written in my voice, so I said, "Yeah, I'll film them." And then we kept filming them, and um, we're we're actually gonna kind of wrap up putting pretty soon. Aww. But we'll we'll do it. We'll a do it. Nerdist exclusive. <laughs> Take that deadline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gonna. What'd you say? What was that? Mickey Fink's here, actually. Oh, what? Nicky Fink. <laughs> Hollywood did. <Dillon. laughs> um. But we're gonna we're gonna also put them out occasionally. But yeah, they're pretty pretty damn dark. It's corporate break room, 
And it's hilarious and great idea by Matt where he just sits eating puddings and I come in with just the most horrific tales. <laughs> the most horrific tales of dr- of violence and deprivation and then kind of like, all right, see you later. Like it's just <laughs> and he's, you know, he's in his white shirt and I'm in my little suit and tie. Oh, I should yeah. put it's out the, the underbelly of corporate. America. I should put out the video. We made a video. Furman and I made a video with you where you you played um, Darwin. Where the you Darwin. Darwin. Thing? Yeah, I it, love that one. We I, I haven't we haven't really released it. I've just been holding on to it because I don't know why. Oh, yeah, but you put it out there when we, we was first on, we did put it. it up on Super Deluxe and then and then like oh, it was the week right. Super Deluxe Super got canceled. Deluxe. That's right. And so then it just yeah. You know we. I thought it was a great song. We got it. Do back. you still write songs with Mike? Occasionally, Occasionally. It's, really, it's really hard. You guys are so good together. Oh, thanks, man. No, it's really hard just because, you know. Corazon. I'm, I'll never forget Corazon. You Corazon. poured your heart in it. That you always made me laugh you have to so commit hard, to the Corazon. You have to commit to it. <laughs> and at the time, it's not as funny, but in retrospect, it's, as, it's, as, it's funnier the times when it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the first time Because we... of the level of... Co- That's how my shows yes. go when they don't work. Like the, first... the level of commitment met with... Yeah, I think like in 07, we did it at Montreal mm. and um, they didn't have Spanish songs. And so... <laughs> because French is their language. And so singing this song in Spanish about the heart, about medical facts about the heart, but yeah. everything is, you know... The video stuff was corazón, good too. Uh, Mm-hmm. Like the heart is a muscular pump that regulates the flow of our life's blood. Um, yeah. And uh, but all in Spanish. And but you like but then going oh fuck you guys I'm gonna commit even harder. Yes. Like in retrospect those are kind of funnier to me <laughs> because here's the like we did it on um, they are f- only in retrospect because in, in the moment it f- it's a lot of work. You did it on Kimmel. Right? We did it on Kimmel. Well, Jimmy oh, Jim, Jimmy saw us do it at M Bar and it fucking like it was our closer. It destroyed. And he yeah. was like, you got to do this on the show. And so Bobcat Goldway was directing and he goes, "Well, how do you guys mm-hmm. want to do this?" And I said, "Well, we should put on like like telenovela. Like we should make it really Spanish. Like whoa, it's beautiful. Spanish. So we wore these ridiculous yeah like Spanish disco outfits." And um, which you don't really do. No, we which didn't. You didn't do. We didn't do it. And then, yeah. and I guess maybe we should have done it the way we normally did because it was just one thing too many to ask mm. of the audience. And so they thought we were serious. And oh, uh, and my, yeah, that audience is a little weird. Sometimes I've done a bunch of things on Kimmel. Well, talk shows in general can be yeah. weird because yeah. People are touristy and they're distracted yep. and there's a lot of things. That's oh, there's, true. There, there's a band over there and, and right, people I know. Right. Right. Just... Look what Conan's doing. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah, yeah. we it just it can be a weird environment and um, mm-hmm. and so uh, my you know like it's all in Spanish and so we had the English subtitles put on the screen and my dad who is the voice of Middle America is he whatever my dad likes like all right that's the ah. trendy thing in Middle America yeah yeah yeah. My dad uh, goes. Uh, I saw. I saw your. My dad's usually very supportive, but he said I saw your performance. But uh, I gotta ask, uh, why did why would why didn't you sing the song in English? Because <laughs> you've, you're you're forcing people to read along at the bottom. <laughs> I was like, well, wow, there that's it the is. whole bit. Yeah, oh my no, God. it is. That's the, the whole, whole bit. bit. Did you yeah. even answer that question? Because. 
No. That's I've, sort of an answer in itself. I think I just got indignant. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because yeah. it's in Spanish. And yeah. you see, I know that there aren't <laughs> Spanish stations in Memphis at the, currently, but the, the word Corazon is in almost every song. And if you knew that, it would be really funny. And so we just took that and made it medical facts about the heart. We listened to a lot of Enrique Iglesias to do study uh, for, before we made the song. You know, like I tried to... You can't explain it. Yeah, yeah. Let's get some French fries, son, and let's forget about this. <laughs> Don't say French fries. They hate it. <laughs> uh, but it was it was good to see you. And and yeah, and thank you, Chris. I haven't. I think I saw you at that. Um, what was that show downtown that we did? Which it wasn't the downtown, and it wasn't it wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't holy. Fuck. It wasn't holy fuck. I think there was another show at another downtown, like gallery sort of thing. That was real. Are you performing? Whoa! Oh, that was. Uh, yes, that's right. That's the last time I saw you. That was uh, the Hot House. Hot House. Yes. Yes, the Hot House, and now yeah, and they perform, they they do it downstairs. That's that's a crazy. Are you show doing a lot of shows around LA? Is it? Uh, I am now because um I was traveling a lot, and now I'm here. So for the next uh, couple of months, I'm gonna be I'm doing a bunch of shows. Great. in LA. Yeah, yeah. So. I'll be here for a bit. So a Eddie months. Pepitone, you're you're just Eddie Pepitone on Twitter. Yes, at Eddie Pepitone, with mm-hmm. just one P in the middle. Yeah, why do people do two P's? It's P E P I T O N E. Because they know. love Dr Pepper. No, I don't think that's it. Isn't it? No, that's why well, I did it. Could it. Be. Furman and I wanted to pitch you a bit. We wanted yeah. to make a video called uh, Eddie and the Pepitones, where it was you up front and then five of us behind you, dressed like you, <laughs> just like just just yelling, you know. Like, <laughs> Like, but like some sort of a, I don't know. I like that. Whatever the song will be. Come with me to the sea of love. Like, just us in the background while you did your stand-up. We were basically musically accompanying you. Uh, you wanted to do, do you remember when you were like, I forget where we saw each other, but you were like, we gotta fucking do Pepitone ringtones. Oh, Pepitones, yes. I never did that. Your phone. Pepitones, yeah. Pick up your phone, you fucking idiot. Like, that's all you hear. <laughs> Let's hang on, hang on. Moron. My mother never picked me up as a child. Now, everybody Please, I've met. me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We but can, then it gets weird. We, we still can, have to. We can do it right now if we just if we just let Eddie uh, say. Uh, now, Eddie, uh, we're going to do a phone ring one. Say something. We'll be quiet. You do it. And anyone can take this and put this on their phone as a phone. Hey, you fucking moron! It's me, your phone! Pick me up! Stop flirting! Hey, moron! What do you think you bought this fucking phone for? (laughs) So you can let it ring? Do you know who's calling you? You fucking idiot! Now you have to say something really arty in there, too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey! You fucking moron! Get your ass out of your Boccello concerto bullshit! You know you don't really listen! You try to impress. <laughs> it becomes the longest ring ever. <laughs> what you gotta understand about the Baroque period? <laughs> oh, Eddie Pepitone. I adore hanging out with you, and I hope yeah. that uh, we'll have you back on soon. And I, and, yeah, I would love to. And I hope people watch Bitter Buddha. Now I will, I will go watch the movie, and then maybe I'll learn something about you. I'll learn some things. <laughs> I look forward to it. And also, can I plug uh, that I'm starting my own podcast? Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Called Pep Talks. Yep. <laughs> oh, jeez. With, <laughs> with Pep Talks with the Bitter Buddha, Eddie Pepitone. Um part of uh, ATC. 
network. Excellent. Yeah. Is that have you started that yet? Uh, I'm going to start it in uh, September. Okay. Nice. So look for that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. A good job. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Good to see you, Matt. I got nothing. Jonah. Thank you, Matt. He's not here. <laughs> what? Yeah. I thought he was just what being exceptionally quiet. He had an audition. Oh, I yeah. know. Sell out. He was like, I'm so sorry. Please don't be I'm upset. So sorry. I, I just, He's like, I, I got to audition for this Vicodin commercial. I'm supposed to say, maybe I am a little those sore. Those sons of bitches, if they are taking, pick up your phone. Stop taking Vicodin. That would be that would be a good one. You see, you can't hear me because you're on Vicodin. That would be a funny one. <laughs> Quit taking Vicodin and take a fucking call. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerds Podcast is brought to you by Warby Parker. Pick some glasses, they'll ship them to you, then send them back with the one you want in your prescription, and then using the offer code NERDIST, you get free expedited two-day shipping to put working glasses on your face. That's warbyparker.com. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front-row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.